Praise God, praise God. You know, Holy Spirit is our guide, our leader and guide. He wants to guide you in that word. He wants to guide you in all the truth. He wants to guide you in the kingdom. You need a guide. You've never been here before. You've never been here before. And the further you go into the kingdom, you've never been there before. We need a guide. You can't rely on the old way of doing things. Amen? Amen. And you know, if he's the guide, what do we do? We follow. We follow. Don't push him out of the way and take the lead. We follow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, turn to somebody. Greet them in the love of Jesus. Tell them you're so glad to see them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, you don't have to tell them your life story. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's look at, I want to look at two things right up front. Ephesians 1, and we're going to read 19 through 22. Then we're going to go right over to chapter 2 and verse 6. Ephesians 1, 19 through 22 and then chapter 2 and verse 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So starting in Ephesians 1, 19, it says, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, his power is towards us. His power is always towards you. His ear is open to you. His eye is always on you. But for those that believe are the ones that receive. Isn't that right? Amen. Remember, it's not about waiting for God to come and do something as though he needed to come down and do something. But the word of God says, the word is near me in my heart and in my mouth. It is the word of faith. Amen. It's not expecting God to come do something. Here's something you need to settle in your life and settle it forever. And that is that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he is done. He sat down. He is done. He's finished doing it. And before he left the earth, he said to his disciples, you now go. And that's what he says to us. Isn't that right? He's done. Now it's your turn. It's your turn now. Amen. So it doesn't matter if it's in the church, if it doesn't matter if it's in the nation. It is your turn now to step up and do what needs to be done. And he's given you everything. Stop looking and saying, I need, I need, I need. No, he's given you everything. His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about. I'm going to read all the way to 22. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So when he brought about in this power, this working, the strength of his might was brought about when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion over all the powers of darkness. He's above it all. And every name that's been named. Name a name. Name a name. Cancer. His name's above it. Name another name. Diabetes. Diabetes. He's above it. Name another name. Depression. Depression. He's above it. Yep. What's another name? Stress. Stress. He's above it. 
Give me one more name. See, we're pushing the limits now. You're running out of stuff. Anxiety. All right. His, his name's above it. He's above it. His name is above every name that has been named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That means for all eternity, he's above every name that's been named. Verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. And he gave him his head over all things to the church. Hallelujah. Chapter 2, verse 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ was raised up and we have been raised up to a newness of life. He is seated at the right hand. He sat down. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Where is that? Far above. All rule. Above all authority. Above all power. Above all dominion. And above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. And he is the head. If he's the head, we're the body. The church is the body. And the feet are in the body. So therefore, all things are put in subjection under his feet, under his body. The body is to walk in dominion over all of these things. Over what things? All rule, all authority, all power, dominion. And over every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. Amen. Who's to rule? We are. We're to rule. That's why he seated us in Christ. He seated us in Christ, in Christ's life for all eternity. And it started at the new birth. This is why, you know, some people say, well, I'm going to wait till I die to get saved. Dear God, why would you waste your whole life? Why would you waste your whole life? Because people think when I get saved, well, that's the end of everything. Dear God, you don't know nothing. It's only the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of everything going to be good in your life. Amen. And I understand that because I used to think the same thing. When I was a snot-nosed little 25-year-old, I thought everything. I, I I had it made. Right. That's like living when I lived in New York. I lived in Brooklyn, six years old, chased by gangs every day. Every day chased by gangs. And we thought this was living. This is life. Exciting. We thought this was great. Why? Because we didn't get caught. We outran them. So we thought it was great. And then at 10 years old, I leave Brooklyn and I go to Queens. I thought that I've moved out to farmland. I mean, there was grass in front of the house, trees on the block. You know, this was amazing. And then, when at 18 years old, I went to the Catskills, and I thought I went into alien land. It's like, what? Who are you people? Well, why did I think that? Because I never knew any better. It wasn't until I... Do you realize that it wasn't until I joined the military and I'm driving from the airport in Michigan up to Wordsmith Air Force Base that I actually see cows grazing in the field? I never saw that before. And I thought, look at all that land. You could build buildings on this land. Because that's all I knew. But you know what? Now that I know different, I'll never go back. 
And now that I know that life in Christ is great, I'll never go back. Amen. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus at the right hand of God. That means all I have to do is this. Hi, Dad. That's it. He's right there. Glory to God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3.1, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. Now, what did we find out in Ephesians? We were raised up with Christ. If you have been raised up with Christ, then keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. All right. We have been raised together with Christ. So he says, keep seeking, keep striving to find, desire to experience this kind of life, the life that comes from the right hand of God. I don't know about you, but I got a ways to go. How about you? Who's going to quit? No, we're not going to quit. So press in with the attempt to realize this kind of life in your life. I mean, just think for a moment about the possibilities of what that life is like. It's, it, it's mind-blowing. It, you, your mind can't even conceive it. You have to step into it step by step. Amen. So the first thing to realize is this, you already have this life. According to Ephesians chapter 2, you already have it. Jesus said the kingdom of God will be within you. Isn't that right? So don't need to try to get what you already have. You just need to receive it. Well, what kind of life is it? It's a life that's far above all power, all authority, all dominion. Right? It's, an, it's a life that's above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. And there's a lot more names than what we mentioned tonight. There's the name of lack. There's the name of poverty. There's the name of not enough. There's the name of not knowing what to do. There's the name of ignorance. There's the name of fear. There's the name of doubt. There's the name of unbelief. There's all kinds of names. And in fact, Deuteronomy tells us that we have been redeemed from the curse of every kind of spiritual, soulish, financial, and physical sickness, disease, and everything. And he says, and whatever is not named, you've already been redeemed from that. So that means no matter what names research comes up with, they come up with a new name and you hear it on TV. There's a new name and a new disease. You go, glory to God. I'm redeemed from that according to Deuteronomy 28. Amen. Why? Because we're seated in heavenly places far above. Far above. You know what far above means? Far above means you can't be touched. Now that reminds me of a time we were coming home from a snowshoe ski resort in West Virginia. Remember that time? And we're driving home. We were tired. So this one year, we had gone a few years. So this one year we decided we're stopping at south of the border. What a trip that was. So we stopped stopping south of the border, and we're walking down the aisle, and Pastor Morgan's daughter, Christy, is walking down the aisle, and there's a big monkey there sitting on the, sh on the shelf, and she's walking by, and the monkey goes, it was, must have been motion activated, and the monkey goes, hey, you, come here, I want to play with you. 
Well, she could have turned around and just smacked that monkey. And that would have been the end of that. But it was funny. So we kept doing it. But you see, this is the whole deal. You're far above. And the devil says, hey, you, come here. I want to play with you. And you go, oh, yeah, what do you got? Hey, you, come here. I got something for you. He's just yelling because he can't touch you until you walk over to him. Are you with me? When, we were got, when you got born again, what kind of physical proof was there that you were saved? None. The moment you got saved, nobody told you, oh, you look saved. <laughs> nope. There was no physical proof at all, was there? No. You just knew something happened on the inside, right? Now, I got saved 42 years ago when I was 30 years old. That makes me 72, and that just saves you doing the math. So I got saved at 30 years old, 42 years ago, and something happened on the inside. Now, here's the question. When you got saved, were you totally saved? No, you were saved in your spirit. Your spirit man became saved. But you're a three-part being. You're a spirit being. You have a soul and you have a physical body. So your soul gets saved as it gets renewed bit by bit. Your body will be saved when you get a new body. At the time you, that Jesus comes back and you get a new body, that that point you will be totally saved, spirit, soul, and body. Are you with me? Okay. So... We knew something happened on the inside because inside spiritually we got saved. So did working out your salvation happen overnight? No. One year? No. Two years? Five years? Ten years? Twenty-five years? Forty years? Still working? Yes. Still we're at the 42 years are still working. We're still working on it. Are you with me? Do you ever sit down and go, I'm so frustrated. I don't have all this salvation working yet. Do you ever do that? No. Do you ever even give it a thought that all your salvation isn't working yet? No. Not really. No. No. We don't get frustrated over it. We don't think about it. Why? Why don't we get frustrated over it? Because you don't see the need right now for it. It's like people that say, well, I'm not afraid to die. Well, that's because you're not at the door. It's very easy. It's very easy to be 13 miles away and go, oh, that don't bother me. And this is why we talk about you got to prepare for that day. Because when you face it, it won't be faced like it is in this day. You have to be prepared for that. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. Do you get frustrated about not having natural promises? Why do we get more frustrated over not having natural promises? I mean, there's a lot of natural promises in the Bible. And there's ones that we're trying to take hold of, we're pressing into. We maybe have gotten some of it, but not all of it. But why do we get frustrated over them? Because we need it now. And we can see the need. See, I don't see the need for totally saved I don't see that need yet. Now, I could see, you know, as I deal with something, I might see the need to renew my mind. But I don't see the need to be totally renewed in everything. I, I just don't see it. You don't either. 
Don't look at me like you're spiritual. You don't see it either. So because I don't see it, I don't deal with it until I realize I got to renew my mind in this area. Okay, that's when I see the need and that's when I work on it. Well, it's the same thing with natural promises. Natural promises, whether it's lack, whether it's healing, whether it's deliverance, whether it's freedom, whether it's something in our marriage, whether it's uh, anxiety, whether it's fear, whatever it might be, whatever I'm dealing with, I can see it and I see the need to change it. Right? Okay. So because I see it, and I see the need, but maybe it's not working, then I get frustrated. But yet, if we go back and read Ephesians that says, I'm far above all power and authority, might and dominion. I'm far above every name that's been named in this age and the age to come. I'm far above all things of this earth. I am seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I keep seeking the things that are above and not seeking the things that are on the earth. Isn't that right? So if I realize and understand Ephesians, then that's a matter of receiving what I need to receive. Because it's already been given. Now I'm striving to find it. God's not hiding it from you. He's actually hiding it for you so that the devil can't take it. Isn't that right? Amen. So if I strive to find my life in Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If I strive to find that life, everything else falls into place. Are you with me? Well, how? Because you're going to find what's been given. You're going to find the character that God has given to you. Well, how do we receive character? Heart condition. As your heart condition changes, character develops. Amen. Character is not your personality. Personality is you being a character. But then there is having character. Are you with me? Do we just want things and need things, or are we thankful for our position in Christ far above all things? See, because that, when you find that place, you find real life. That's what real life is all about, operating out of that place and living out of that place. That's, character. That's, that's real life. That's the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Amen. Learning to live that way. Amen. Amen. You, know, and, and I, you know, there are fools out there that say things like, well, Christianity is for weak people. Son. You know, fool is a four-letter word. And um, I remember the account of Jesus standing in the garden of Gethsemane and Judas comes to betray him and a squadron of Roman soldiers. This is the fiercest army on the face of the earth at the time. A squadron of Roman soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And the big top dog of the squadron says, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He looks at him and goes, I am. Bam! They all hit the dirt. Yeah. They're down. And he's like, 
you all want to get up and arrest me now? Christianity, true Christianity, walking by the word of God is the strongest position you can ever have in life. Far above all authority, all dominion, all might, all power. Above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. John G. Lake calls it the strong man's gospel. It's a strong man's gospel. Amen. It doesn't have room for foolishness. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter three. Verse one. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And the word difficult, of course, means pressure times. Hard to deal with times. And as time goes on, the pressures get stronger and stronger. The, pre- the, the difficulties get stronger and stronger. To which you would say, who the heck gives a rip? Because I'm far above. I'm far above. What do I care about what's going on in the earth? I'm far above. See, you got your eyes in the wrong place. You're looking at everything on the Oh, dear God, what are we going to do? I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. What's going on? Oh, dear God, what are we going to do here? But you're far above. See, the reality of Ephesians is what will make your life work. Without that reality, you are stuck with what goes on in this world. You're stuck with what the government wants to tell you. You're stuck with what the economists want to say. You have no way out. Your only way out is up. Seated at the right hand of Christ. (laughs) These are the days we live in. Pressure, difficult, hard to bear times. And it's going to get harder and harder. But the word of God tells me that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So that means that you don't have to get wrapped up with all the crap they want to throw at you. You can get wrapped up in the grace of God. Hallelujah. Grace is greater. Grace is the power to deliver you. Hallelujah. Stop meditating on the pressure and start meditating on the grace. Stop meditating on the problem and start meditating on the grace. Stop meditating on the difficulties and start meditating on the grace. You say, well, you can't ignore your problems. I'm not ignoring it. I'm meditating on the grace. Listen, y'all have been in school, okay? And in grammar school, you had, I don't know if they still do. I doubt it. But they had arithmetic. (laughs) And you had to learn two plus two, right? No matter how much you looked at the problem, Two plus two. And you said two plus two equals. Two plus two equals. Two, no matter how much you looked at the problem, you couldn't figure out the answer. You had to know the answer. So you would meditate on the answer that two plus two is four. Two plus two is four. Two plus two. You meditate on the answer. So then when you took the test and you saw two plus two, you knew automatically four. But if you didn't meditate on the answer, you look at that problem all you want. You'll never have an answer. That's good. 
And same thing in life. You look at your problem all you want, you'll never have an answer. Because there's no answer in your problem. That's why it's a problem. That's why. Because there are no answers in it. It's a problem. The answers are outside of the problem. Hallelujah. See, if you just step out of being carnal, you'll really get set free. Amen. God has empowered you to take hold of real life. He's empowered you. Don't let the pressures of life steal your real life. You have real life that you can live right here on this earth in the middle of all the pressures. You can walk above it all. You can be like Noah in the ark and just go above the flood. Totally protected. Amen. The word of God is like an ark. It's, it's, a, it's a high tower. And the righteous run into it and they are safe. But you got to run into it. You got to stay in there. Don't shut the door. Stop peeking out the window. Stay in there. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Fear will only take hold when you have no reality of what it said in Ephesians. When you have no reality of where you're seated, fear will take hold. But when you have a reality of Ephesians, you can operate far above. Far above it all. Amen. That problems that really made you distraught can become, uh, huh, huh, really, huh, you think so? Another response would be, I know what you're doing. You are not fooling me. And I'm telling you right now, you have no hold. Amen. Matthew 6, 31. <laughs> Drinking water there. We were passing it and I was in a restaurant uh, Wednesday night. And uh, the guy comes over and he starts asking us about, he's telling us about the specials on drinks and all this stuff. We go, we don't drink. We'll just, you know, and he says, oh, I'll bring your water. He says, you want a double? <laughs> I waited till the end of dinner and had a double espresso. <laughs> Matthew 6, 31. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? What does the King James say of that verse 31? They keep changing the New American Standard. It really ticks me off. It says, therefore, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. See, the thoughts come, and you can't stop the thoughts from coming, but you don't have to take it, and you take it when you start saying what you're thinking. Take no thought saying. Whether you say it to yourself or you say it to somebody else, it doesn't matter, because, you know, we say a lot of things to ourselves. Well, it doesn't matter if you're saying it to yourself or saying it to somebody else. When you say it, you've taken it. Take no thought then saying. Anxious thoughts spoken calls it to yourself. 
It's like going out and calling, you let the dog out for a walk and you go out and call the dog. Why do you call the dog? Because you want it to come. Isn't that right? You're calling it in. See, what do we call? What are we calling? What's in our heart? See, what are we calling? Don't take any anxious thoughts saying. Because when you're saying, you're calling it. Just like Job. Job said, oh, my children, they may have sinned or maybe they curse God, so I need to make sacrifice for them. Well, he said it and he called it to himself. He called it to his family. He called it to his possessions. He called it to his health. He called it into his life. He said, all that I dread befalls me and what I fear has come upon me because he said it. Now, you think about the fact that he was the richest man in the land and what he lost. How much do you think was in his mind? Don't you know that came out of his mouth? And you know it's true because you, deal, you don't deal with any kind of pressure like that and it's out of your mouth. Calling it in. Don't allow pressure to pressure you into speaking like an erupting volcano and start declaring all this stuff out of your mouth. You know, the psalmist said, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Well, what is the guard over your mouth? The word. The word is a guard over your mouth. It's not the Holy Spirit is going to come and grab your lips. (laughs) The guard is the word. So that when you go, when you get that anxious thought and you go to speak it, the word will rise up at the same time and go, this is what you need to say. Don't say that. And then all you have to do is make the right choice. Amen. If you speak fear, you'll call it to yourself. You have to let faith erupt on the inside of you. Now, I'm not talking about 911 faith. You know what 911 faith? Did you ever hear somebody on a 911 call and they're frantic trying to get help? Well, that's what 911 faith is. We're frantic and we're speaking, yelling, all these things, but it's just stuff that we're just saying and it's just not really coming out of our heart. It's 911. Last ditch effort. Need help now. Send reinforcements. You have to understand the difference between speaking the word to meditate on it as compared to speaking the word to create for you. You can't take that meditating word to create. That word's got to, you got to meditate on that word, gets alive in you, and then it goes out from you to create. That's right. There's a new book coming out. It's called Crossing, uh, it's called, uh, what is it called? Building the Bridge, Building the Bridge of Your Soul. It's going to be out soon. You might want to get a copy when it comes out. It's about real life, folks. This is what real life is about. All right? So there's a difference between speaking the word to yourself to meditate on it and speaking the word out to create for you. And, you know, I've told you about this before. The Holy Spirit said about the fact that he would pay off my credit card every month because he wanted to teach me about finances. Okay? And that was shaky. That was nervous, okay? Now, this is a monthly deal. Now, you understand when my wife was on the floor at the point of death, and we're believing God for her to be raised up. 
and we're praying. All right, that was a one-time deal. Thankfully, that didn't happen every month. Thank you, Lord. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm not going there. So anyway, so, okay, put on the credit card, whatever you need, and it'll get paid by the end of the month. Well, this is what the Lord said. And I was sowing seed. I would sow seed during the month towards paying off the credit card. Well, one week before the credit cards do, there's no money. I have no money. I'm looking at the credit card. I'm looking at my checkbook. And I'm thinking, dear Jesus, what am I going to do? But I wouldn't let that come out of my mouth. I would go to my seed book. And I would look at my seed book and go, this is seed that was sown. believing God for your uh, credit card to be paid, and I would declare what the Holy Ghost said. Lord, according to what you said, you said that if, uh, if I put money on the credit card and you want to teach me about finances and teach me to trust you, so I'm going to believe you now to pay the credit card next week in which I have no money. So I said, this is what you said. This is the seed that I've sown, and I would stick with that until the anxiety left. And I would make my mind think on what God said. You know, a lot of people think that because they heard God say something, poof, everything's going to be good. That's just the start of your battle. Don't you get it? That's the start of your battle. That's not the ending. That's not the poof, everything's good. It's the start. Now that you've got something from God, now the enemy has got a reason to come after you. It's game on. The battle is in your soul. It's in your mind. And it's in your emotions. And it's in the setting of your will. And don't tell me you got something that nobody else deals with. Don't tell me that. Because everything's the same. And it's all common to man. Because you're looking at the packaging. You're not looking at what's inside the package. You're looking at the wrappings and the bows. You're not looking at the situation. It's all the same. I don't care if you're five years old, 55 years old, or 85 years old. It's all the same. There's nothing new under the sun. The only thing that's different is what's between my ears and what's between yours. The only difference. And it's what I've worked on changing what's in between my ears as compared to what you've worked on to change what's in between your ears. The only difference. There is nothing that you ever deal with that is not common to man. Because you're looking at the natural situation when everything is actually spiritual. I know that might have sounded rough, but you got to get it. You got to make your mind think on these things. Meditate and speak your answer or meditate on and speak your anxiety. That's all it is. It's pretty simple. Now, when we got saved, we were in our 30s. So my wife, just like many of you, ladies, had that monthly thing that you got to deal with. And uh, she would be a little aggravated, irritated, and sometimes obnoxious. And she would say to me that she don't like doing this. I said, well, why don't you do something about it? 
I said, you know this happens every month. Why do you wait till it comes around and then deal with it? Why don't you deal with it through the whole month? Why don't you start meditating on what you need before it even shows up? And then when it shows up, you'll have the answer. Now, it's not going to happen right away. It's going to take a process. There's always a process. A lot of people don't know the process, and a lot of people that do know it don't like it. But without the process, you're not going to get any place. Are you with me? What was that verse we looked at this morning? I looked at a verse this morning. Where was it? It was about being the wealthy place. Where was that? Was it Psalms? Thank you. Psalm 66, 12. Why don't you throw that up there? Psalm 66, 12. See, somebody took notes. God bless you. <laughs> it says, you made men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. Or King James says, you brought us to a wealthy place. We went through the fire and went through the water. A lot of people don't want to go through the fire and through the water. They just want to go, oh, Lord, lead me to that wealthy place. Oh, Jesus, just lead me to that abundant place. See, that's what everybody wants. Just tiptoe through the tulips and just make it to that place. Do you know where that place is? It's on the other side of the fire and the water. That's where that place is. You got to go through the fire and the water to get to that place. It's called the battle that's in your soul. Your soul being your mind, emotions, and the setting of your will. Choosing to set your will. Amen. Willing to do the battle. Willing to stand your ground. Willing to not flinch. Willing to not run from the mental and emotional pressures of fear and anxiety. Willing. Setting your will. I will stand my ground. I will not flinch. I will uh, not run away. I will stand in the battle. I will not allow pressure of fear and anxiety to sway me and cause me to churn. Setting of the will. The will is the strongest part of your being. There is nothing in your spirit that will ever happen without your will. Some think if I have faith, well, then it's all going to be done. It's finished. The battle's over. I got faith. Glory to God. But what part, of the, um, what part of the armor in Ephesians is your faith? What part of the armor? Shield. The shield. If the battle's over, what do you need a shield for? The battle's not over. That's why you need a shield. Because you're ready to go into battle. Amen. Amen. See, this is reality. Faith, the word of God coming alive in you. Uh, you could be in worship and have a, uh, an occurrence with God. Well, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. The battle's getting ready to start. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. You know, God said to Adam, keep the garden. Here's a word, Adam, keep the garden. A word from the Lord Jehovah himself to Adam. Keep the garden. Okay. Okay, I'll keep the garden. (laughs) Totally oblivious to everything. 
But yet God gave him a word, told him of things to come, and said a word that would prepare him. The word was his answer, but it wasn't the ending. It was only the beginning of the battle. Because the enemy was coming. And God gave him a word that would cause him to overcome. All he had to do was make the right choice. I'm sure there will be a lot of questions when we all get to heaven about that choice. And I know what his answer is going to be. He's going to look at you and go, you'd have done the same thing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You remember the parable of the sower? Seed was sown on the hard ground. Seed was sown on the rocky places. Seed was sown among the thorns. And what was the purpose of the enemy in all of that parable? Steal. Steal what? Steal the word. Steal the word. The purpose of the enemy is to steal the word so the word will not produce in your life. Just because you get a word, it doesn't mean it's going to automatically produce. Now it's up to you to get that word to produce. You got to keep that word. Keep it in you. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in your thinking. You keep that. Amen. Amen. The enemy wants to steal it because he knows if he steals it, it can't produce. Once you receive the word, the battle starts to keep the word that produces. You know, my wife has has grown a garden out in the back of the church, okay? Uh, And, you know, it's a, you know, you got to put up wire. You got to put up fencing. You got to put up all kinds of, because there's little critters that want to come in and eat your fruit. So just because you grew a garden doesn't mean it's all done. Everything's good. No, no, no. You got to work at keeping it. You got to keep the weeds out. You got to keep it watered. You got to keep the critters out so that your plants can then produce the fruit that you want it to produce. So just because you planted something doesn't mean everything's good. Now you got to work at keeping it. Amen. Once you receive the word, the battle starts to keep the word, to keep the word that will produce in your life. Will you allow the enemy, even the flesh of your unrenewed mind, your soul, your emotions, will you allow them to pressure you to cave in? Or will we pressure our enemy to crumble? Somebody's going to crumble. Is it going to be you or is it going to be the enemy? Now, you can't grab the devil by the throat and beat the crab out of him. You just can't do it. But you can with the word of God. You can beat him to the pulp with the word of God. Amen. How many times do we get tired? I'm just tired of the word. I'm tired of it. I mean, I, I've said it and said it and said it and, and things aren't working and I'm, I'm tired of saying it and it just doesn't seem to be making a difference. So, there are different levels of demonic influence in darkness. And you may have dealt with a little imp, and you went with the word and just kicked him away. But then Big Brother comes along, 
and he's a little stronger and it takes a little more to get him away and then uncle comes and he's a little bigger and badder and it takes a little more to get him away so at what point will you quit what point will you say God hasn't given me what I need to win at what point will you allow yourself as the woman going to the unrighteous judge? When will you say this will never work and go home and let the unrighteous judge get his way? Are you with me? It's the battle. It's the battle that most people don't like. They don't want to deal with it. This is why for many Christians... Rather than stand on the word of God and believe God, the first thing they'll do is lean right to the medicine cabinet. Yep. Or they'll lean right to the doctor. Or they'll lean right to the, the, uh, the financial things or, or whatever it might be. They'll lean right to that because they don't want to go through the battle. Because they know if I go this way, I'm going to have to stand and I'm going to have to fight. I don't want to do that. I'm going to take the easy way. No easy. <laughs> It'll be easy probably until you come to the point of dying. And then it's going to be really tough. People say living by faith is hard. No, it's not. It's dying without it that's hard. You can step over your problems in life or you can step over into the next realm. Or you can beat yourself to the ground trying to get answers in life and getting beat to the ground in stepping into the next life. It's up to you. It's your choice. I would start now with life. Amen. Amen. Will we allow them to pressure us to cave in or will we pressure our enemy to crumble? Declare what the Holy Spirit said. Make your mind think on these things. Make your mind think on these things. The Bible says make your mind think on these things. Your mind is not automatically going to think on these things and you're going to have to tell your mind, shut up. I'll tell you what I'm going to think about. And if you don't do it, nobody will do it. Nobody can do it for you. God himself can't do it for you. He gave you a free will, and you have the freedom to choose whatever you want. And he'll let you choose death if that's what you want. He'll let you choose destruction if that's what you want. He'll let you choose ruin if that's what you want. He gave you free choice, and he will never violate your free will. Never. He said, I've laid it all out. Choose. What do you want? I choose real life. Amen. Amen. Declare what the Holy Spirit said and make your mind think on these things. The battle is in your soul. It's in your mind. It's in your emotions. And it's in the setting of your will. This is the fire and the water that you have to go through. One week before the payment was due, no money. I mean, I remember one month I needed $15,000, and there was no money. And I'm picking up my seed book, and I'm declaring what the Word of God says. And I'm picking up my seed book, and I'm declaring what the Word of God says. And there's anxious thoughts that are coming, anxiety that's coming. 
When I was in the car driving and all of a sudden I had excruciating pain run through my chest and my body is screaming at me, lay down, pull over, lay down, pull over, lay down, pull over, lay down. And I'm saying, no, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. No, I will not pull over. I will not give you an inch. I will keep driving because I've been driving. Well, pastor, what would have happened if you died? Die. <laughs> then I'm in heaven. You're threatening me with heaven. Wow. Really? What a threat that is. It happened twice. And you know, when that happens, you can't breathe or anything. And I'm screaming at this. Well, I wasn't really screaming at it. It was screaming at me. And I'm saying, no. See, the Apostle Paul said, I will not give flesh any place. And I was not going to give that thing any place. Because all I would have had to do was say, okay, let me just pull over. Oh, no, 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 no. Wrong direction. That was not in the plan to pull over. The plan was where I was going, and I'm not changing course just because of you. And I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I make the decision of what's going on here. I'm far above this thing. And it has no right and it has no place. Amen. Now, I wasn't always like that. You know, when it came to the things of God, when I first got saved, I was very wimpy-willed. I didn't have a strong will for the things of God. Now, I was a strong-willed person, but not for the things of God. But because of spending time in the Word, giving myself to the Word of God, improving God in other areas, and it builds up, builds up, builds up, and you come to the place to where you know you can trust God. So when God comes to us and says, give away all of your liquid assets, <laughs> that wasn't easy. But I said, okay, we got an agreement. We said, okay, that's what the Spirit of God said. That's what we're going to do. Give it all away. And we did. And within uh, a month, it started coming back again. And the Holy Spirit said, give it all away again. And we're like, okay, we'll give it all away again. And we did. And then it started coming back again. And then it got to where I was like, hey, God, you want me to give it away again? And he said, no, I just wanted you to get to the place of being willing. Are you with me? But, you know, I had to start by proving God in the area of $10. I remember walking into a store and they had a piece of equipment that I would have liked from my workshop. And it looked like it was the last one on the floor. And I was like, oh, I need to get this. That's a good price. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you believe me for it? I'm like, what do you mean believe you for it? Here it is right here. I got the money in my pocket. I get it. Well, I didn't have the money in my pocket. I had a charge card in my pocket. And if I put on the charge card, he pays for it. So we're good. So he says, well, why don't you believe me for it? I'm like, okay. All right. I will walk out of the store without it. It's the last one on the floor. And I'm going to trust you that it will be here for me when you say I'm ready to buy it. And I did. I left. And about two weeks later, the Holy Spirit said, go get that thing. And I went down there, and it was still sitting there waiting for me. But you see, those are the little things that you prove God in. That's right. 
And as you prove God in the little things, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So when you feel like you're under a cardiac arrest, I mean, I've been under police arrest, but not cardiac arrest. You know? So when you're under that, it's like same God that took care of this equipment, same God that paid the credit card, the same God that did the $10 deal, same God. It doesn't change. We learn to believe God along the way. But where is that? It's in the fire and it's in the water. The battle that goes on. Are we going to meditate and speak the answer? Or are we going to meditate and speak the anxiety? We have to be willing to do the battle. Willing to stand the ground. Willing to not flinch. Willing to not run from the mental and emotional pressure of fear and anxiety. Everybody. Everybody, no matter what circumstances you're dealing with, is going to deal with fear and anxiety. And fear and anxiety is a spirit. And fear and anxiety has its entrance into your life in different areas because we all deal with different, different physical things. But the spiritual side is all exactly the same. You, you defeat that fear and anxiety, you'll kill that natural thing. Amen. Amen. How long do I have to stand? How long is it going to take to win the battle? How long do I not have to flinch till you win? I mean, what's the big deal? You got all eternity. You have all eternity. See, this is the deal. This is the, and this is why we talk about living with a view of eternity. Because you live in the right now. I need this now. I got to have this now. You're, in the, you're stuck in the realm of time and you're seeking the things on the earth. The things at the right hand of the Father is there's no time. So if I move into the realm of eternity in my thinking, I'm not worried about right now. The bottom line is, no matter what, I win. You know, the Apostle Paul said, oh man, I'm caught kind of between a rock and a hard place. Do I want to stay here on the earth and labor? Or do I want to go and be with Jesus? Because that would be a lot better. Oh, Richard, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what. For your sake, I'll stay. Thank you. See, there's a realm and a view of eternity. He's not stuck in time. He said things like, I've learned the secret of how to deal with everything. It doesn't matter whether I'm abounding or whether I'm abased, whether I have an abundance or whether I'm in lack. It doesn't matter because I don't live by either of those things. Neither of those things dictates to me how to live. The secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the same Apostle Paul in the book of Acts when he said, when he talked about stuff he was dealing with, and he said, I do not count, I do not consider my life of any account. And the word life is the Greek word suke, which means a soul. I do not consider my soul, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions. My, I do not consider any of that as being dear to myself. I will override it all for what I need to do. Amen. See, when you make those kinds of statements, I do not consider my soul of any account. I know the secret of how to do and deal yeah. with everything. Yeah. I could choose at any moment whether to stay or whether to go. 
We get a hold of those kinds of things. Doesn't matter what you deal with in this life. You're living in the realm of eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I fought the good fight of faith. I ran my race. I finished my course. The, what is the fight? The fight is, you know, I'm fighting for this thing. I'm fighting because I need this thing. I'm fighting. See, your fight's wrong. It's a wrong fight. Your focus is wrong. It's the fight of faith. That's what it's all about. The fight is for faith. That's what it's all about. Jesus died so that you could have faith, and that's what the battle is about. That I will not let go of my faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing God speak. So therefore, God has spoken to me. I've heard the word of God. I've got it on the inside of me, and I will not let go of it, and I will fight to the death to keep it. Amen. You know, who was it? Uh, there's a movie called Flags of Our Fathers, and I think it was directed by Clint Eastwood. And he worked with a lot of military people in making the film. And he said one thing that he learned about military folks is that soldiers will fight for their nation, but they'll die for their friends. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, we all the time, oh, all the time we say this. Oh, I would never deny Jesus. I tell you what, I'll stand for Jesus. What about the situation you're in? Yeah. Will you stand for that faith? That word of God, which is God himself. Will you stand for that? Or will you deny him and allow things to run you over? Amen. personality we have talked some weeks ago about real faith and fake faith you know there are different kinds of personalities there are non-confrontational personalities people that just don't like confrontation they don't even like conversation because they think conversation is confrontation they're not just, they have that personality, non-confrontational. So with that non-confrontational personality, they'll say things like, well, I believe God's going to take care of it because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to confront it, yeah. and I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. God will take care of it. I believe God will take care of it. Well, then there's another personality, and it's called confrontational. They like confrontation. You know, they live for confrontation. You know, they'll say, I'll confront at the drop of a hat, and I'm dropping the hat. Right? Sure. So a confrontational personality will say, well, bless God, I believe it. I, I believe it's going to be all taken care of, and I'll do what I need to do for it to happen. Because they're confrontational. But yet they're both works. They're both carnal. And they both fall to pressure. Because personality can't stand up against spiritual things. So what's real faith? Real faith is taking the thought captive to the word of God. Bringing that thought, that emotion, and that will into subjection and obedience to Jesus who is the word. Isn't that right? 
you know, in Galatians 5, you know, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But then after that, in, in uh, I think it's verses 24 and 25, it says, They that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, how do you crucify the flesh? With the Word of God. You use the Word of God. Okay? Simple example. Driving down the road, all of a sudden, chest tightens up and you got pain just shooting across your body and your flesh screams, pull over. I'm not crucifying that thing. You say, well, that just makes sense. No, it doesn't. Why would that make sense? Did God tell you to pull over? No, your flesh told you to pull over. Your fear told you to pull over. Your anxiety told you to pull over. Not God. God wasn't telling me to pull over. And if he's not telling me to pull over, we're going. Are you with me? Now, I know some of you medical people hate to hear this stuff. Some of you are on live stream and you hate to hear this stuff. Well, you need to hear this stuff. Of course, you're medical people. You need to hear this. Just like as an auto mechanic. You know, I was an auto mechanic for years. And a woman comes in that I knew. She brings her car in. And she says, something's wrong with my car. My battery's dying. I checked the battery out. Checked the whole thing out. I said, your alternator is bad. The alternator has got copper windings in it. It's got brushes in it. And this, this stuff wears out. And it was no good. It was not. I said, you need a new alternator. She says, I don't have time for this. She leans over and lays hands on that alternator and says, you start working in the name of Jesus. And my thinking is, this will never work. What's wrong with you? It's got copper winding. It's got brushes in it. This is never going to happen. Boom! All of a sudden, the gauge starts working. The, the, the alternator starts working. The car was running. We closed the hood, and she took off. Never had to change the alternator. Now, that was hard to convince me because I was a mechanic. Just like it's hard to convince medical people about the medical conditions. We don't give a rip about your medical information or your research. This is what the Word of God says. Pain's running across my chest, driving down the road, not able to breathe, going... Better know what to do. There's only one thing to do. Obey God. It's the only thing to do. You give an inch to that flesh, it'll kill you. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to kill you. Well, up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> so real faith is to take the thought captive to the word of God. Bring your thoughts, emotions, and will into subjection and obedience to Jesus, who is the word of God, and crucify the flesh with the word. In Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 13, it says, if we, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh, then we will live. By the Spirit. So by the word of God, we kill those things. Isn't that right? Amen. This is not a natural operation, although the natural is involved. You can't get away of natural things being involved because you live in a natural world. So there's always going to be natural things involved, right? 
But it's how you use the natural things that counts. And who directs you to use those natural things? Hey, you know, you've been fasting for 40 days, so here's a stone. Just turn it into bread. Oh, there's a natural thing. I can use that. I can... No, he was, he was told by the wrong person. His direction didn't come from the Father. And that's why he wouldn't do it. I don't care if it's turning stone into bread or if it's pulling off the road. We're not going to obey flesh. Amen. Are you with me? See, it's working together. And like we've always said, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with medication. There's nothing wrong with doctors. Nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong with borrowing money. Nothing wrong with any of that. It's all about how does God direct you. But here's the deal. If you're a non-confrontational person, you will run right to those natural things. And you'll say, oh, I believe this is what God wants me to do. Yeah. You didn't hear nothing from God. It's just what you want to do. And, but the confrontational person will go, oh, I ain't going to say, I'll tell you what, I'll stand against that. I'm not going to do it. But God didn't tell you to do that either. Mm-hmm. For the confrontational person, he may give you a non-confrontational direction. For the non-confrontational person, he may give you a confrontational direction. He's not going to lead you in your personality. Amen. You got to know the difference between real faith and fake faith. Look in Colossians 3, verse 2. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind, set your mind, set your mind. This is a choice. You got to do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So this is not about, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, thank you for everything. And then go out and live the rest of your day the way you want to. No, set your mind. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things above. What's the things above? Where you're seated. Your life that's in Christ. Don't set them on the things on the earth. Look at verse 3. Don't set them on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where is your life? It's not in the flesh. It's in Christ. That's where real life is, in Christ. So if I'm going to give way to the flesh and let the flesh tell me what to do, I'm not walking in life. If I'm not walking in life, I'm walking in death. Why? Because if I'm taking the directions from the flesh, it says I've died. So now I'm following death. But my real life is hidden in Christ. And that's the, that's the life I'm looking to take hold of. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I was so thankful. So thankful to be saved. I never, I never gave a thought in my life. As a child, they brought me to church. 12 years old, I quit. I like, I'm done with this stuff. This is ridiculous. I was done with doing anything good, anything right. Anything that anybody taught me was good and right, I would do the opposite because... I'm not going in that direction. So at 12 years old, I made that decision. I made that choice. Sin came alive, and I died spiritually that day. And um, that was the way that I had lived my life. And I, I never gave a thought about anything, about Jesus, about God, except to cuss them. Did you ever notice that when people get mad, they always say, well, God damn it. They never say Buddha damn it. Never. You ever notice that? They never say Mohammed, damn it. They never do. They never do. It's always about God. And then tell me you don't believe in God, but he's the only one you'll cuss. 
I don't know how I got on that. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. So the most I would do is, as, as an unbeliever before I got saved is if I saw somebody with a PTL license plate, I'd walk up to him and go, is that your license plate? And then I'd cuss them for having it. I would. I didn't care. And then I would tell them what I thought PTL meant, and they didn't like that. Thank God I'm saved. So I was never looking to be saved. But the moment I got saved, I was like, oh, so thankful. And that moment that I got saved, I said, God, I know now that you love me. And Jesus, now I know that you're alive. And you know, when I said that, like, now I know, it was as if I was always looking for that. But I never knew that. But inside of me was always yearning for that. But I never knew that. But when it became a reality in my life, it all came to the surface. Glory to God. Changed my life. Changed my life. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12, and let's look at the Amplified Bible. We're bringing this down to a close. Someplace. That's all right. I'll have you out by 12. (laughs) Hebrews 4.12, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life of the soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and, and, and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. See, the word of God can really go deep into us. And when we allow the Word of God to do what the Word of God is designed to do, life will change. It will change. Of course, you will change. But I want you to notice here, first of all, he said, the Word that God speaks. Okay? The Word that God speaks. Now, when God speaks to you, you know it's not always a verbal thing that you hear. Sometimes it's an impression on the inside. Isn't that right? And that's what spiritual ears classes was about understanding the move of God within us so that we can understand those impressions. Uh, In James, it says to receive the engrafted word, which has the inherent ability to save your soul, which is to renew your mind, mend your emotions, and strengthen your will. The word of God does that, okay? And we have to set our faith on the things that we hear. The answer, the word of God is the answer to what the flesh wants to be fearful of and anxious about. Amen. The word of God may come to you to prepare you for battle. Adam, keep the garden. The word of God can come to prepare you for battle, but the word of God may come as an answer to deliver you in battle. David comes uh, back to his home after the battle uh, with his, uh, with, with his uh, soldiers. They come back to Ziklag. And they find out that the Philistines burned it to the ground, took all their wives, took all their children and all their possessions. And these are, the Bible says that these were the fiercest fighters that David had fighting with him. And it says they all cried until there was no more tears left to cry. And then they wanted to stone David. 
Why? Because Listen, this is a very important point. Anytime you're upset, anytime anybody's upset, they must blame somebody for it. And David's soldiers wanted to blame him. So here he is now in the middle of, he's returned from battle. He's in the middle now of a battle of having lost everything. But now he's in the middle of a battle where his men even want to kill him. And what did he do? He got out the ephod, put himself under the prayer tent, and sought the Lord. What do I do? Right? Amen. And the Lord told him what? Pursue. He said, pursue and overcome, and you will recover all. So the word of God comes to deliver you out from the battle. It can prepare you for battle, but it can deliver you out from the battle. Amen. The word of God, he says here, it speaks as alive and full of power, making it effective, operative, and energizing. The word of God is energizing. You don't need external stuff. You don't. You don't need things that are totally natural to try to energize you, try to encourage you, and try to strengthen you. The word of God is your encouragement, it's your strength, and your energizer if you would take the word and stop reading it carnally. I suggest that before you get in the word, you pray in tongues. If you have trouble connecting in your spirit, then pray in tongues for a while and then get into reading the word. Well, how long do I have to do that? Well, probably if you've never done it before, it's going to take a long time. It could take an hour. But the more you do it, the less time it'll take. Amen. It's kind of like learning a new job. You know, you learn a new job. It takes you a long time to do that job until you get used to it. And then you get a pattern down and then it becomes easier and easier and takes less and less time. You know, as an auto mechanic, when I first started out, a tune-up on a car could have taken me a long time. When I started uh, even working in the office here and uh, years ago, started working on announcements and, and all kinds of graphic stuff, took a long time. Took hours. Sometimes I would tell Pastor Nid, I said, well, I just got to do this. It'll take about five minutes. Two hours later, I'm still working on it. Well, now those things that used to take two hours takes me 15 minutes. Because of having learned it and, and done it over and over again. But you see, many people don't want to go through the fire and the water. They don't want to go through that. This is too much trouble, too much pressure, too, too hard. No, it's not hard. Dying is hard. That's hard. Sin is a hard taskmaster. That's hard. Because the seasons will change and the pleasure will disappear. That's hard when you have no answers. Are you with me? The word of God will energize you, encourage you, and strengthen you. Because the true energy in life, the true strengthening in life, and the, tr- the true encouragement of life is spiritual. It is not natural. You can't find it in a pill. You can't find it in a bottle. It is no place to be found on this earth. It's spiritual. Amen. And you take that word and you live in it and move in it by faith. This is what real life is all about. 
Let me close here. Proverbs 24, 10. Hallelujah. Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Let's look at that in the Passion Translation. Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint when you're under pressure, you have a need of courage. The Message Translation. Let's read that. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. I hate the message. <laughs> See, reactions to life is what shows our character. It shows where our faith is at. You know, a lot of times we think, well, I got faith, blah, 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 blah. But then the crisis comes, you know. Oh, I got faith. I believe God. <gasps> Crisis comes. What are you going to do? Are you with me? The New Jerusalem Bible says if you lose heart when things go wrong, your strength isn't worth much. Don't try to trade it in for anything. You can't depend on your own strength. It will always crumble. It will never go the distance. I don't care how big, bad, or tough somebody thinks they are. It will never go the distance. You don't have enough physical strength to defeat a spiritual enemy. That's right. Amen. So where, when he talks about you need strength, you need courage, uh, character, um, strength is not worth much. So where is this strength? Where is this courage? Where is this character? Where is this faith developed in order to touch our life? Where? What? In the Word. What would you say? Any other guesses? In the church. Any other guesses? Come on, don't be afraid. What's that? Soul. That's right. It's in the soul. That's why he's on the front row there. See, this is your soul being renewed. That strength, that courage. Now, it's in your spirit. It will never touch your life until it gets in your soul, until it gets in your thinking, until it gets into your emotions, and it gets into your will. When you get it into your soul, then it can start working out into your life. So let me say it again. The strength, the courage, the character, and the faith is developed. In order to touch our life, it is developed in the soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will. Amen. I could write part two of that book. It's about standing in battle. Without a strength of soul, you won't stand in battle. You can have a strength of spirit, but it's got to get into your soul. It has to get. It doesn't, it doesn't originate in your soul because it's not your personality. It's not about personality. Personality is totally of the soul. But it's got to originate in your spirit and get into your soul. Amen. And that's when we will stand in battle, refuse to flinch and fight the fight, not run away. And the soul will then develop so that we'll have length of days. That's where you get length of days from, your soul developing. 
your soul putting off anxious thoughts, your soul putting off the fear, your soul putting off the worry. This is what will bring increase into your life. We were in a store in Fort Lauderdale last week, and we were in a store, and we were looking to buy something, and Pastor Nid says to the salesperson, how about giving us a senior discount? And, and he looks at her and goes, oh, you're not a senior. And she goes, I'm older than you are. He goes, no, you're not older than me. So he says, to me, he says guess what year I was born. So I figure I'll push it a little bit. I go, 55. He goes, I was born in 59. I'm like, you're a baby. <laughs> 59? <laughs> what does that make him 62 63 something like that and i'm like you know i like no no way so then we told her how, and he looks at her and goes you can't be that old there's just no way you can be that old and i'm standing over here going look at what about me i look like trash you're just talking about her you know i'm like come on but i mean i understand that because she does look a lot younger than me she looks like i robbed the cradle because you're hot, mama. <laughs> so, the ladies are blushing for you. So anyway, right away he goes down that road. Wow, you're 72? What's the secret to your life? Is it your diet? Is it you're exercising? You're eating just the right kind of foods? You know, he's going down this whole thing about what it is. And uh, so Pastor Ned says, no, it's Jesus. And he's like, oh, you know, all of a sudden it changes, you know. And then she's talked to him a little bit and she goes, no stress. He goes, that's it. He goes, I'm very stressed over stuff. She says, no stress. There's no stress, long life and look good. <laughs> Keeps you young. Stress is a big thing. Stress is a killer. Amen. Stress puts you down in a heartbeat. Amen. If you're anxious, you need strength. If you're fearful, you need courage. And it's got to get developed in our soul. Amen. Amen. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Strong in who? That's the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the what? Head of the church. He's the head of the church. Now, you remember from the Old Testament, the uh, talks about the anointing oil would flow from the head of Aaron and then flow down his beard and flow down his garments. Isn't that right? Because it started at the head and then started flowing down through the body. The anointing flows from the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And goes to his body. But it goes through the governing ministry that he has set in the body of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the beard. It goes from the head to the beard, which is the governing body, the ministry of the body of Christ. And then on to all the garments, which is then the body. Amen. Amen. And that's real life. Real life comes from Jesus. Because that's where we're seated. We're seated in him, and that's where our real life is found. Amen. Amen, amen. So I want to pray for you.
tonight because you might need courage. You might need strength. And I believe that the Holy Spirit would want to, what would I say? It's kind of like you have a dead battery and you put jumper cables on it and it charges the battery up, but then the alternator keeps the battery charged. So by laying hands on you, it's like jumper cables coming on you for strength, for courage, for encouragement, and that which you need. But your time in the Word of God and spending time in fellowship with the Lord will be like that alternator that keeps you charged up because the energy comes from the Word of God. Can you say amen? So I want to pray for you tonight, if you would like prayer. And... Um, Jude, could we have a little bit of uh, just lift your hands to the Lord. Jesus, our eyes are lifted up to you. You've told us in your word to seek the things that are above and not the things that are on the earth. You've told us that our enemies of life are spiritual and therefore the answers that we need are spiritual. That out from the realm of the spirit comes strength, courage, encouragement that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Lord, we know what the problems are, but you have all the answers that we need. So as we come tonight, we come with our hearts open to you, that you will give to us the strength and the courage that we need, but you also give us the answers that we need. That as we spend time in your word and spend time with you, you will illuminate our spirit with the answers that are needed so that we can live in our life far above all authority, all rule, all power, and all dominion, and over every name that is named in this age and in the age to come, that we would take our place in you and continue to seek our life that is hidden in Christ. So if that's you, and you want some strength and some courage, and the ability to stand firm, not flinch, not move away, not run away, not do anything except to press in to the things of God. That you need courage to stand against the things of the flesh. I just want to pray with you. And I just invite you to come this evening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. 
We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Well, from the response, I would say that the Lord has spoken to the right people tonight. Lift your hands to the Lord and declare this to me, with me. Lord God, I am not afraid of the fire and the water. Because you said you'll lead me through it. And you'll bring me out the other side to my wealthy place. I understand this is not a one time and done. This is my life. And everything I deal with, you've promised me victory. I refuse to quit. I will continue to stand. I will not flinch. I will not let flesh have a moment. But I will stand in my place, victorious and as an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Hallelujah. 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 Strength and courage. Strength. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the jumper cables, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength and courage in Jesus' name. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength, strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength. Strength. Courage, courage, courage. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Overflow. 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 More than enough. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Strength and courage. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strength and courage.
strength, and courage. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength and courage. Mm -hmm. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Filled, 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 filled. Overflow, 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 overflow. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Strength, strength, strength and courage. Strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Overflow. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praying for strength and for courage and encouragement. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Overflow. 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 Strength and courage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you know, the workers have to wait till last to get ministered to. Do you know the Bible says the last shall be first? That means more than enough. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes strength and courage comes for things we don't want to do. We don't usually need it for stuff we want to do. The stuff we don't want to do, we need strength and courage. Stuff we're afraid to do, we need strength and courage. Stuff that God tells us to do that flesh don't want to do. We need strength and courage. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Strength. Strength and courage. Strength and courage in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Flooding, flooding, flooding into his being. Flooding into his being, Father. With strength, strength and courage. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Strength to stand. Strength to not flinch. The character of encouragement. Character of courage. 
strength, 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 strength and courage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, 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 yep. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Were you in the back? Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is, we're praying for strength and for courage. And of course, when you hear the message, it'll all come together. Um, but um, were you out here for the message? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I have no idea. Yes, well, <laughs> it's like jumper cables being put on you. That's going to energize you, strengthen you, encourage you. And then by getting into the Word of God and spending time with the Holy Spirit, it will keep that power flowing. In Jesus' you, name. Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Strength. Thank you, Jesus. Strength. Strength. Encourage. Strength. Encourage. Strength. Encourage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's rejoice. We rejoice in you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You're the head of the church. You walk through the midst of the church, that you walk right through here where we are at, where we're assembling together. I thank you, Lord, that we are your body, that you are the head. Thank you, Lord, that you supply our needs, that you meet that which we need, that you're more than enough. Thank you, Lord, you're the all-sufficient one. You are the almighty, the most high God, the everlasting Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in our midst. You've touched our hearts. You touch our life. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that even for those that are watching online, on live stream, whether they're watching live or watching on archives, Father, I thank you for strength and for courage that goes into their being right where they're at, that it floods them and fills them, Father, that it's like jumper cables that just empowers them right now, Father, and that as they get into your word, that it will be that regular power flowing into their being on a regular basis. So, Father, I thank you for that. And I bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why well, say that God knows exactly what we need? And he has delivered on time. And I'm glad you were here for it. I'm glad you were on live stream for it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are and for all that you do. 
Thank you for touching our hearts, touching our lives. That you bring increase into our thinking, into our believing. Father, that you just turn our perceptions, that we get a new insight, that we get new understanding, Father, so that in the days ahead as we stand against the enemy, that we will be fully prepared, have the weapons that we need, that we can walk as the victorious, conquering overcomer that you've made us to be. Father, we go from this place, but we do not go from our place which is in Christ Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all power, might, dominion, and rule, far above every name that's been named in this age and in the age to come. We do not leave our position. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to bring this to our remembrance. Remind us of where we're seated, that we would have the right perspective of things, that we would not be looking at them, but we would be looking down upon them. Father, I thank you. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving, I thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed and that you have promised in the word that there's one that scatters and yet increases all the more. You said that when we give, it's given back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You said that as we give that which you have provided for us to sow, that you will bring increase to our harvest of this righteous act of giving. So, Lord, we thank you for it and bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.